You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. Just wanted to start off today's episode by thanking all of you listeners. Really appreciate you sharing our content with all of your friends and, and your colleagues, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. This traction to the show has been really picking up lately, and we really appreciate it. Once again, if you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. It's always a treat for us to be able to feature some of our listeners, and we've got some more coming up in the pipeline. Also, if you have a specific profession, we are definitely looking for some more specific professions that have become millionaires, whether it be a nurse or a police officer or a dentist, you know, any type of profession that, that we can hone in on, that'd be great. But send us an email and, and we'll get you on the show. All right, today's guest is Edna Keep. She's got a net worth of $6.5 million. Most of that is in real estate. And Edna's got a very unique store. She's got about 473 doors currently that she owns and manages. But she started out as a single mom and started in the mutual fund industry and was a financial advisor for years before she parlayed into real estate. Really didn't get into real estate until she was in her 40s. And she's from Canada and currently invests in sources deals in Canada. So without further ado, let's get right in the show with Edna. Welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. Today on the show, we've got Edna with us. Edna, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you do? Sure. Um, I'm a real estate investor. Uh, quite a few times I get uh, confused with being a realtor, realtor or, or, and I say, no, no. The difference is we only buy. We don't sell. Um, so that's that's a big difference we say between a real estate investor and a real realtor. Uh, we've been investing real estate since 2007, so uh, almost 11 years. Uh, we have uh, almost 60 million dollars worth of real estate, and we've been able to do it uh, primarily without any of our own money or credit. Awesome. And what did you do before you started buying real estate? Uh, my background is actually as a financial advisor. I worked as a financial advisor selling mutual funds and life insurance uh, for about 15 years. Awesome. And what kind of made you decide to to switch from that industry into buying real estate? You know, that's, that's a really good question, Jace. Uh, we got tired of all the ups and downs of the stock market. And we found that uh, our income was 100% tied to whether the market was up or whether it was down. So we decided that we just wanted to diversify our portfolio a bit instead of being fully, because we invested fully in mutual funds as well. And, um, uh, you know, within two years, I couldn't sell mutual funds anymore when I found out how lucrative real estate was and, uh, and we enjoyed the challenges of real estate as well. Um, yeah, I sold my practice within two years and went full-time into uh, buying real estate. Wow. So where is your net worth today? We're at about six and a half million right now. Okay. And that's all real estate? Pretty much. Uh, yeah, we, we, you know, we have a few investments outside of real estate and we have some uh, other businesses. Like we own a, uh, we're 50% owner, owner in a home builder slash renovation company. Uh, that all, they, so it still kind of ties into real estate. 
Um, and uh, we, what else do we own? And up until last year, I actually sold um, exempt market products as well. Then I just got to the point where I just didn't have time to uh, to learn about them and, and still work with all my real estate as well. And I also train and teach people how to um, do what we've done. Awesome. And, you know, one thing that a lot of our, our listeners have been curious about especially people who are pretty heavy in real estate how liquid do you tend to stay as you're buying real estate year over year and month over month we don't (laughs) we we don't stay liquid but you know what it's not a it's not a big deal for us because um we've we've pretty much built up everything's uh we we started out my husband and i that uh we weren't concerned with our day-to-day living stuff because we both had really good careers making good money and and had no intention of leaving um so when we started out we were just looking at building uh, a long-term plan for for wealth and uh, for cash flow and different stuff like that um so we we built for that and at this point we've got i think it's over twenty five thousand dollars a month in mortgage pay down alone so for us that feels like okay now all the long-term stuff is taken care of now it's just all about lifestyle so we've, we've changed up um, some of our strategies from what we used to do. So we used to always buy long-term buy and hold uh, rentals. And now we're actually uh, taking on some uh, wholesaling and some fix and flips. And just recently, like brand new, a month ago, we took possession of a land development um, that we're going to do for the first time. So uh, have, have had some recent changes. Wow. So you guys are getting into all sorts of different things. So let me just back up. Let's talk about kind of that transition from, from your job to when you decided to be a full-time real estate investor. And, and tell us about that first deal and how that, how that switch happened. Sure. Um, well, you know, what, what we did first, and I think this is really important, is we decided to take some education because one of my, one of my clients, my, uh, uh, one of my mutual fund clients was in telling me that they were looking at diversifying into real estate. And he was telling me that they'd went to um, a Robert Kiyosaki class, but they said, I'm going to tell you right up front, they're going to try to sell you and they're going to try to put you in their courses and they're going to keep the heat in the room down. You're going <laughs> to, you know, all this, all the warnings they gave us. So when we went, uh, we went to check it out. Um, uh, we, we didn't feel pressured at all, but we did want to know more. So we went to a three-day event, and when we were at the three-day event, some, some of what they told us was true. It was kind of cool in the room. Um, they, they taught us how to increase the limit on our credit card so that uh, uh, we could use it maybe to buy property and for uh, closing costs and stuff like that. Uh, and then they, they did try to upsell us. The, the difference between us and the client of ours is um, – it made sense to us to take the education. We didn't. Uh, we didn't know a whole lot about real estate. Uh, we'd only ever owned our own home, uh, so we could see that there could be a lot of pitfalls if we tried to do it ourselves. Um, we were also very busy with our jobs, so we didn't want to take on the traditional fix and flip stuff. And um, the, at the three day event, we met a couple who was good friends with another couple who'd taken Robert Kiyosaki's courses two years before. And they were telling us that they owned like 40 properties already. And so when it came time to meet with their sales staff to say, which way do you want to go? Do you want to try to do it on your own or do you want to take some classes? Um, 
my husband and I, first of all, just about fell over when we found out it was $27,000. But we, we also thought, who do we want to be like in, in a year or two? Do we want to be like the, the person who got 40 properties in, in two years? Or do we want to be like the client of mine who um, fixed and flipped two properties while they held their government jobs, hardly seen their kids for two years, got so burnt out that they never wanted to do real estate again? And we both decided, yeah, it just makes sense to take the classes. So, so that was kind of our transition. We bought our first property, um, and, and that's actually kind of a funny story. Uh, we were scared of everything. You know, we'd never done anything like this before, and we looked at quite a few properties. And then our realtor took us to look at a, at a condo. There were new, they, these apartments had been converted into condo. And be darned if one of the ones that was for sale my oldest daughter was living in it as a renter. So I went, wow, I think I'll buy that one. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> a <good> renter, right? <laughs> no kidding. So that's how we got our first, uh, first property because, you know, we were scared. We were scared of tenants and toilets and we didn't know how to get tenants. Uh, everything was scary to us. Um, and then as it turned out, my daughter lived there for, I think, maybe a month by then she got to know the neighbors next door and they'd been living there for 17 years. So we decided to buy that one at the same time. Um, we ended up uh, making the offer like within days of, of the other one. And we thought, well, there's a built in rancher. They'll be with us for life if they've been here for 17 years. So that that was our first two properties. We still own them to this day. Uh, they were about um, maybe a mile away from where we lived. So it was nice and, and convenient for us to uh, look after stuff like that. And uh, the price was right. We were able to refinance them within about a year and a half, pull all our cash out that we put in. Um, and we continued on with our education from there. Wow. So for that first deal, were you still working as a financial advisor or had you quit at yeah. that time? And, and was your husband still working? Uh, well, my husband had a, a feedlot cleaning business. He was still working, and yeah, I kept my I kept my business till two thousand and nine. So we we took our first training the three day weekend in June of two thousand and seven. In September of two thousand and seven, we bought those two condos. In the spring of two thousand and eight, we bought our first no money down deal. And when that happened, I knew. I knew that I'd figured it out. I loved the creative finance part of it. I knew I could uh, sell real estate investments as opposed to mutual funds. It just made so much more sense to me. And by September of 09 is when I sold my practice. And and for the, about the last year, I went to work one day a week. I had an assistant that looked after a lot of stuff for me. And it was only when she decided to quit uh, and and retired that I actually said, okay, well, I don't want to do this anymore. So let's just sell and uh, and go on and do real estate full time. Wow, good for you. So you're in Calgary, right? Actually, in Regina, Saskatchewan, but it's uh, it's not far from Calgary. We're only about eight hours away. Okay, so that first deal was just purchased with your money. Is that correct? Yeah, we, we had been in a market that went up a lot. Like the house that we were living in, we bought in 2002, and it went up almost $200,000 over the course of five years. So we had a bunch of equity in our property, and we just refinanced it and pulled out equity, and that's how we bought our first two. Wow. And then that second deal, is that where, is that where you started raising money from others? The third one. So the first two condos, we used our own money out of the house, uh, but we knew that 
we we wouldn't be able to do that for a long period of time. Uh, and we had enough money to buy the third property, but uh, we decided to ask for a vendor take back. And the, of course, the lady didn't understand what that was. So when we, we explained to her that it was seller financing, that we really wanted to grow and own a bunch of real estate. Um, and we explained to her that we would pay her 6% interest uh, if she left the down payment with the property, which I believe was around $32,000. Uh, so we put the money with the lawyer initially and the lender. And then at close, um, she left her 32000 in and we got ours back. And uh, and you know what? We Again, we still own that property to this day. That property has cash flowed us about $1,000 a month from the day we owned it. And um, I, I, I always kind of tell this story because it's really kind of exciting uh, we we offered. She was asking one hundred and sixty thousand, and our first offer was one forty. You know the low ball offer. Uh, then one fifty, which was probably right where we should have got it. Um, but but we didn't want to lose it. And when we when we were able to get her to agree to the vendor financing, we said, well, what about if we give you full price, one hundred and sixty thousand, if you do this uh, the the seller financing, and. Um, yeah, and then we'll give you full price. And she said, wow, I'm going to win twice for once in my life. So she was so excited about it, which really made it easy for us then to go on and start sharing it with other people, right? But a lot of people, um, you know, they, they I've heard this saying, you probably have to, oh, the money's always made in the buy, the money's always made in the buy. And and if we would have thought that way, like we would have stuck to our guns of maybe 140, 150,000, maybe not ever got the deal. But we took the deal, got the deal, and and we've made about a thousand dollars a month. So you know, you put that into perspective. That was say maybe spring of 2008, and it's 2018 now. Ten years at a thousand dollars a month. Did you think we overpaid for that property? No. Wow. No, not at all. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. let's rewind just a little bit because you you come from the mutual fund industry. When you were working in that industry, did you actually buy some of the investments that you were selling too? Everything, yeah. Um, I, I actually never felt comfortable selling people anything that I didn't own myself. Okay. Uh, you know, the odd time, like working ventures and stuff like that, people would want to do them just for tax breaks and I didn't buy them. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I owned everything that my clients did. Uh, and, and clients like that about me, you know, they said, uh, it, they always felt, um, strong about what I recommended because I owned it myself and I wasn't scared to show them my statement either, you know? Yeah. And at what point did you start selling all those? Uh, well, you know what, in, I think it was Jan, no, uh, end of the year, 2008, early 2009, uh, we got an opportunity to buy an apartment building. And at one of the classes I did att- attended, I found out that I could withdraw money from my RSP, and you can't do that anymore, um, but I could withdraw money from my RSP to buy real estate. Uh, and it was kind of tied to this loan, and, and it was kind of a bit of a rigmarole. In the long run, CRA decided they didn't like the program, and they, they closed it down a bit early, and they wouldn't allow the people to sell it anymore. But uh, that's how we bought our first apartment building. I took money. Uh, I, it was still in my RSP, but I had to move my RSP over to another um, institution out of mutual funds into like a bond. And then based on what I had in that bond, they would uh, lend me the same amount of money um, that I had in the RSP. And and that's how we started. And, and then 
since then we've just continually taken out uh, uh, instead of investing in um, in any outside investments. We do have a few, uh, just have a bit of diversification. But since then, we've primarily put all our money in uh, between education and our own real estate. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. do you know at what age you crossed your first million? Yep. I will always remember that because it was a big goal of mine. Um, in 2006, I was still a financial advisor. We crossed our goal of uh, of a million-dollar net worth. And uh, that that was kind of what the point where we went, you know, we've done, done pretty good. Uh, but, you know, we don't want to be still putting all our money into RSPs. We always maxed RSPs and stuff like that and kept money in our business as well. And um, we, we wanted to do something different at that point, just to add, just to add to it. We had no intention of ever stopping what we were doing because we both love what we did. We made good money at it. Uh, but... Uh, and how got to the point where, like I said, I couldn't sell them anymore, so I had to quit. <laughs> yeah. How long did it take you to get to that first million-dollar mark? Well, uh, you, you haven't heard any of my story, really, but I was a teen mom. Uh, so I had my first child when I was 16 years old. I never went to university or school or anything, so I just started working at high school. I got a job at a doctor's office and earned much more than minimum wage. Uh, After being there for eight years and being totally bored out of my skull, I started doing some correspondence courses and stuff, and and I worked up to a secretary, then an accounting clerk, then an office manager, and uh, so, you know, I never never really earned much more minimum wage before I was 30 years old, and uh, by the time I was 36, I got into financial advice, uh, and I did that for, I think, about eight years. And then that's when we transitioned over into, actually, I was 48 years old when I transitioned into real estate. Yeah, ten, yeah well, just, just a little over 10 years ago now. Wow. And then since then, it's mm-hmm. been just a massive snowball. Yeah. You know, we, we, we yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Snowball. Um, I think you, you told me at one point you would ask me this question, but yeah, our net worth's over six and a half million now. And uh, it, it's growing exponentially every deal we do. Like we've just got a lot of really good stuff going on. So for, for some of our listeners, you know, one thing that always comes up and since you've been in this, in these shoes before and now are not, would you recommend somebody using a financial advisor? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Well, um, uh, one time I was going with one of one of the people from my classes to Robert Kiyosaki's uh, to hear him speak live, and and she says to me, you know, Edna, I want to warn you ahead of time. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki doesn't say much good about financial advisors, and uh, I said, oh, I understand, you know, he's he's doing something different, but there's a lot of people out there that need financial advisors. They they don't have any interest in it. They don't want to study it. You know, most of my clients that came to me, they would just say to me, you know, just look after me. I need to be able to retire someday. They wanted somebody they would know, like, and trust. And and like I said, they liked the fact that I invested in the same stuff they did. Um, and, and, and for a lot of years, I felt good, really good about what I did too, because I helped people, first of all, put away a lot of money because they hadn't, uh, started a lot of them had never started so you know you start on a monthly plan and and get going and and you go through and you show them what they need uh, for the lifestyle they want so yeah people need financial advisors but 
today when I meet an, an investor, my advice is totally different than it is back when I was a mutual fund advisor. You know, I, I liken it to, to being a doctor. You know, when you go to a doctor, uh, and, and it is getting better nowadays, but just about always they give you a prescription. Why is that? Because they're trained by pharmaceutical companies. I was trained by mutual fund companies. It was the only thing I knew. And it wasn't until I started studying real estate that how, how badly I realized my blinders were on and how much better I could do in real estate. Um, uh, so, yeah, just, just you know, check, check out the options. Don't get your blinders on and, and listen to the first person you ever meet and just stay and do that forever and ever. I recommend studying wealth and um, studying under people who've done what you want to do. Uh, not not take financial advice and and you know I was probably as probably that person I would recommend not to see you know when I first started I didn't have anything for money uh, none and and still nowadays you hear a lot of people uh, that are giving financial advice and they're earning like you know two hundred and fifty thousand a year and the people they're giving an advice to are making five million dollars a year like does that even make sense you know. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that. So when when before you kind of opened up to real estate, if you had a client that came in and asked whether they should invest in real estate, what was your response? Absolutely. I, I, I what I would say is, well, you know, I think it's good to have your own house. Absolutely, we're happy. You know, always happy to be you know gaining equity as opposed to paying rent. And I rented till I was 32, just so you know. And um, so that part, that part I thought was wise, but I went, why would you want to invest in something that generally, and in our area, never appreciates more than 3% a year? Because that's the only upside I, I knew about real estate. I didn't think about mortgage pay down. I didn't think about uh, 20% down and the bank gives you the rest. Like, I, I just didn't even understand all that part of it. Had never studied it, never looked into it, never thought about your, my tenants paying down my mortgages. So no, I would say to people, well, I don't know. I, I you know, let me how, know how it goes for you. Uh, but why, why would you put in something that would earn you like three percent a year? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've totally. you've had a a pretty incredible mind shift change. Oh, I did huge. Yeah. So talk about some of your uh, multifamily apartment deals. How many how many doors do you currently have, and and maybe what's your biggest complex? Uh we have 473 doors now, uh, currently working on 56 doors. Uh, as we speak, we've got uh, accepted offers on, on that. Um, and the biggest complex we have is 144 units. And it's in a small town in northern Saskatchewan. And you know what? It's also our very best performer. We bought that property in November of 2012. Uh, we paid uh I think six and a half million dollars for it. No, did I say that right? Yeah, around six and a half. And two and a half years later, we um, had all our investors' capital back to them, which was about $1.2 million, and uh, refinanced the building. We, we built up that much equity in it just by managing it properly, renovating, increasing the rents. Um, and then all our investors moved over to two other buildings with us. So that, that to this day, is our best performer. It's not... Um, it's not tied to like the rest of the markets uh, throughout our province. And how big is that city or town where the building's located? 3,000 people. Wow, so pretty small. And yeah. and are all your deals close together or, or do you source them from different locations? Or 
close together. You know, when we very first started uh, was when the U.S. had that uh, the big correction in the real estate market, and, and there was a lot of really good deals in the U.S. But what we found is we, we couldn't get financing for any of them. If you didn't have the cash to pay for them, uh, you couldn't get them. Um, we, so we, we did a lot of studying. We went to Phoenix and Florida and, and uh, Texas. And we're, we're kind of all over the place looking. We're, we were taking some classes, finding out about it. But, you know, we felt the most comfortable at home. Uh, we understood our market. We were also in a up market. So the market was going up. So it was a good time for us to be buying. Um, and you know what? We still feel that way. We love being close to home. Uh, the majority of our properties are in the province that we live in and the rest of them are, are to the two provinces beside us, Manitoba and Alberta. And, uh, and we still feel really comfortable in that. Um, I made an offer. We were just on holidays in Turks and Caicos and they made an offer while I was there on a up-down duplex to maybe set up as an Airbnb. Um, and that, that would be our first overseas one. Uh, we're still, still working on it. Um, but yeah, most of our stuff is local. Well, that would be nice. Maybe we'll come visit you. Mm. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you how do you find your deals, and and how do you find your investors? Um, most of my deals nowadays come to me uh, privately. Um, like this this uh, twelve unit apartment building that we just bought, uh, that's probably going to be a fix and flip, uh, came to us through the very first realtor we'd ever dealt with, and his girlfriend. Um, had a had a wealthy investor client at that time uh, and they always told us well you know when he's ready to retire we'll start selling his stuff but it never happened so but just recently he did decide to sell this 12 unit um and they brought it to us uh so her is the listing agent him is the selling agent so it was like a pocket listing so we bought it before it hit mls and they were just telling us yesterday or the day before that uh, since it hit mls they've had like a ton of calls people wanting to write offers on it without even seeing it. Um, so they, what they're trying to talk us into doing is putting it back, up, back on the market and flip out for like a hundred grand, uh, even before we own it. But uh, we think we can do a little bit better than that. So I think, I think we'll just keep it. We're still deciding on that. Um, so pocket listings uh, come to us a lot. Uh, other real estate investors, uh, senior people that are looking at retiring the 42 unit, we just got under contract, uh, came to me through an, uh, uh, actually one of my students. Um, he was uh, approached by a guy uh, thinking he might want to buy it because they wanted to avoid the realtor. And he said, no, but I, I know uh, I know a lady who's, that's actually her hometown. Maybe she'd be interested because that was her hometown, this guy's selling in. And uh, so that was, again, without a realtor. Uh, we just took over a foreclosed deal in Calgary, uh, that came to me privately um, through some investors we knew. Uh, so most of them are private. Even for my students, a lot of them, like I can't, at one point we could do most of the deals that come to our, come our way, but uh, the best deals anyway. Um, and now we can't. So a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of those deals now go to students as well. What advice do you give to somebody who maybe wants to start in real estate? You've, you've obviously done condos, apartments, buildings. You mentioned at the beginning you're doing a development so if somebody doesn't have any real estate or, or they're just getting started, what would you recommend? Very first of all, I'd recommend is get educated. Uh, find, find a group of people that um, you can be around who are like-minded because everybody else will talk you out of it uh, or they'll tell you all the nightmare scenarios, right? 
um, get get some education, and then then from there decide which uh, genre you want to be in. Because there's so many strategies in real estate you you can do. Uh, and but my sweet spot, and and what I talk to most people about is getting into multifamily. Uh, so go big initially, um, and uh, use other people's money because what we found is that's the absolute best and quickest way to scale. Um, because there's a lot of people out there that. You know, they'd love to own real estate. They've got some money, but they just don't even know where to get started. And they're either maybe not interested in learning or they uh, they don't have the time. So um, th- there's a lot of people out there that need some financial advice around real estate. Uh, so I'd recommend, first of all, uh, get get a mentor, somebody who's already done what you want to do, not, not somebody who's thinking about doing it, but who's already done it. They're going to give you shortcuts that it's impossible for you to find otherwise, uh, might even share deals with you, uh, might joint venture with you. Like, there's different opportunities like that. Um, and then take action because I don't know how many Robert Kiyosaki students I ran into when we used to go to the conventions who'd been taking the classes for like three years and had yet to buy a property. Like, I don't know how many times I ran into that. And they were just blown away uh, with what we did because we had 50 doors within 18 months of starting and people would say, how the heck did you do that? And and that's actually, that's actually how my courses came about is because people kept saying like, how did you, how did you? And the very first thing we did was get education. Then we partnered with somebody who already had some properties. So it took a lot of the fear away of trying to do everything ourselves. Awesome. What, what are some of the best strategies you use to source investors and new capital? Um, you know what, right now, because I'm teaching uh, so many people, I, I've set, set up a Facebook group uh, where all my students uh, post deals and, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of investors right in that group. Um, so, so they've come in thinking that they want to learn how to be a real estate investor and things either aren't moving fast enough for them or they don't have time to do the homework that they need to do to get somewhere. So they've connected with other people and they, and they become part of a deal before they worry about doing the whole deal by themselves. So that's, that's a big one. Um, I actually do podcasts, uh, a few podcasts, and I've had uh, quite a few people reach out to me through podcasts saying, you know, I, I like your philosophy. And because uh, one of the things we do with our investors is we pay them back first before we take anything out of the deal. And so I've had investors come to me through podcasts, uh, different uh, speaking events that I go to. Um, and then a lot of our investors just reinvest with us over and over again. Awesome. What what criteria do you use when you're sourcing your deals in these multifamily properties? We're usually looking for a value play where maybe it's been mismanaged or the, the, the owners are maybe getting older and tired, not looking after their buildings as much as they should be. Uh, not not keeping up with that rental trends. That's a big thing. Like uh, a lot of people, they get they get lazy after a while. They just think, well, you know what? I'd rather just make eight hundred than a thousand because these guys have been with me for you know ten years, and and you know that leaves a lot of money on the table. So we come in and we find different ways to make the the tenants happy. You know, maybe it's more amenities or some more you know, treating them well, gift baskets and, and thank you cards and stuff like that. And, uh, but we keep our rents, rents, uh, you know, right, right at the top level, but we also keep our places really, really nice too. Do you have a target cash on cash or IRR that you look for? 
We we uh, we love ten percent uh, cash on cash. Uh, doesn't always happen. Uh, so we 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 buy anything really from between five and ten percent cash on cash. Because the one thing that I always uh, tell my investors is, you know, you still got to think about the mortgage pay down, uh, which is. I mean, that's going to happen no matter what, right? And that's usually 6 to 7% return on your money right there. Uh, and I always say that's kind of like the safety, safety, safety factor of a deal. Um, so you've got to count that in. And then any appreciation at all, well, you know, the appreciation, again, is on the down payment. Uh, the, the return is calculated on the down payment. So, you know, you get a 3% increase in a year. That's like a 12% uh, increase on your money. So um, the the cash on cash between five and ten, but overall between fifteen and twenty. Nice. So <clears throat> you have a real estate course, is that correct? It, it's it's a, it's a real estate course, not to be confused with a realtor course. What I teach people, I have a system that teaches people how to create passive income while building massive wealth uh, through using other people's money and other people's credit. Awesome. And tell us a little bit more about that. Where can people find it? Uh, they can find it at Edna, at ednakeep.com. That's my, or my, that's my email. My website's ednakeep.com. Everything's ednakeep.com. Uh, and then the actual course itself is just, um, it's the same thing, ednakeep.com, get 90 days to 5K. Awesome. And then I just want to ask real quick about mistakes. What mistakes have you made or maybe what are some of the problems you've seen while investing in real estate? Overleveraging uh, is one that we've done to ourselves. You know, I've always found it really easy to uh, raise capital, and sometimes we never had uh, the deal. So we'd put them on put them on properties, just thinking, you know what, when it's time, we'll move over. Uh, so yeah, some sometimes we've overleveraged, and and uh, in, in when you go into a down market, that can hurt you. Um, but the way to get around that is just keep moving. Don't uh, sit on your laurels and go, oh darn, I did that one wrong. Um, you know. So, uh, and, and the other mistake I think I see people doing all the time, especially when it comes to scaling, is trying to do everything themselves. You know, uh, we used to run into people, took classes with us again, and we'd run into them two, three, four years later, and they'd have four, four doors. And we were like, by that time, four years later, we were, you know, well over 150. And, and we found that what stuck them is they didn't want to put that hundred bucks a month out for a property manager and they didn't want to uh, source the repairs and maintenance. So they were saving themselves, you know, 150, 200 bucks a month, but they were costing themselves a lot by choosing to do that work instead of doing the work of finding bigger deals and, and uh, working with investors. Good stuff. All right. Edna with the net worth of 6.5 million. Thanks for coming on the show today. You are most welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Edna. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.